incoming national director, but you're going to introduce everybody. Thank you, so Thank you Jim. Thank you so much, Howard. Thank you, everybody. And it's such a pleasure and a privilege to be here at Connect Church. And uh, uh, let me just start by introducing the people with me, and then we'll go into the, the beat we have for you this morning. I am called Chim Onyebelama. I'm married, and I'm blessed with five children. And uh, yeah, beautiful children. And I happen to have the joy of meeting up with my daughter here yesterday because she's been away from home. She's an auditor away in Cape Town, uh, uh, auditing the firm, I think it's six weeks. So I'm traveling, she's traveling, and we say, hey, we get to meet at Connect Church. So Connect is connecting us. Simi's there at the back. Would you want to wave to everybody? Simi's my second daughter, and yeah, she loves Cape Town. She studied in UCT, and she's back here again, and uh, yeah. And I'm also here this morning, have the joy of having with me this morning uh, my uh, incoming national director. Like Howard said, I'm the National Director of Capro Mission South Africa, and you get to know a bit more about what Capro Missions is. It's a mission organization, but uh, I just want to introduce the people around, and then we'll get into sharing with you the information we have. Would you please come up? Taban Selemela, is, uh, he's worked with us here in Cape Town, in Botswana, in Cape Town here with the Somali people, and then he's gone on to, yeah... Strong, uh, strong, strong heart for the Lord, and uh, in, in uh, Belleville, and gone on. To, is presently based in Pretoria, working among the Somali people in Mafia, in uh, Joburg, and uh, he's also our incoming national director. In December this year, I'll be handing over, stepping down, and handing over to him. And uh, I, I just praise God for this man of God. And you want to say good morning to everybody? <laughs> he doesn't want to say good morning to everybody. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Okay, thank you. Please. Uh, and uh, we also have the privilege of having with us the chairman of our board, uh, Professor Dele Amosu, who is a professor at the U UCT. He also lives here, but he happens to be our national chairman. Professor Amosu, I'll call up to say a word to us. Please, sir, welcome. Good morning. Uh, it's a privilege to be back in Connect Church. This will be my third opportunity of worshiping uh, and really I've been blessed. I've been blessed with all the songs. I don't know a number of them, but I, I scribbled them down, you know, but the words were meaningful. Um, by the grace of God, we've come to just share with you what we are engaged in. My first slide there, I want to uh, refer your attention. The first date uh, that you see there, 1975, that was when Capro, uh, Calvary Ministries International was established. And I think Chima, National Director, will give you more information. 2006, that was when Capro South Africa was registered. And by the grace of God, Vision 2025, uh, just for you to know that Capro is not a localized ministry. It's a global and international ministry. Vision 2025 is the vision that binds all those regions and countries where Calvary Ministries have missionaries serving the Lord in different areas. Next slide, please. Yeah, okay. That's the board. I have the privilege to serve as the chairperson of the board, but it's been a teamwork. 
uh, some of the people there, they have completed their term and stepped down. And by God's grace, we're trusting the Lord to add more people uh, to the board. If there was one thing that the board and those who came into South Africa to get Capros, uh, Calvary Ministries work started, one major thing that we were all united on is that there will come a day when by the grace of God we will be able to raise local South Africans who will become full-time missionaries. If you know the history of our country, yes, we do have a number of missionaries, but when you look at certain population groups, it's not a common phenomenon. And we trust, we've been trusting the Lord that we'll be able to raise local South Africans who can also serve the Lord in fulfilling the, the, the vision. And that's been our focus as a board. And the last slide, please. Now, that's the group between 2006 and now. By the grace of God, these are the full-time missionaries whom we've been able to raise. They work full-time for Calvary Ministries South Africa. Uh, if you want more details about what they do, you can get in touch with our uh, national director. However, two things are common to all of them. Number one, they are sold out for God. For a number of them, they are first-time Christians, uh, first, first generation of Christians in their families, but they are sold out to God. They are ready to lay down their lives just to get the, the scripture fulfilled. There's a second thing that binds all of them together. If you look at their faces, they are much younger than most of us. <laughs> and it's scary. It's scary for those of us on the board because that is the next generation. These are the ones who will carry the vision forward. And it's scary in the sense that without support, they would fail. One thing that is certain, God will not fail them. Because their calling is not to serve man, their calling is to serve the Lord. However, God also depends on us. The interaction we've been having with churches and various bodies is to highlight the fact that this is a joint responsibility in the fulfillment of scriptures. So we are trusting the Lord that these ones, in carrying the vision forward, you know, young families, the two upper ones, uh, the one on the left, our incoming national director got married in December. Uh, the other one, he was sent to Mayotte with his family. Uh, unfortunately, we've had to get them back because the support structure around them was not sufficient to live and serve the Lord in that place. So they are now based in Pretoria for a while. But we are trusting the Lord that in our partnering with Connect Church and a number of other congregations, the Lord himself will continue to meet the needs. This is our future, and by God's grace, they won't fail. Thank you.
So, what I'm going to try to do in the next 30 minutes is uh, give you, share from the Word of God some things that have challenged me and I pray will challenge you and give you some information about what we are, who we are, and, the, and our chairman has started to do that. Uh, our name is Capro Mission South Africa, but uh, you heard him saying Calvary Ministries, and so that could be confusing, but let me clear that. We started off in 1975 as Calvary Production. Uh, the young people who started off this thing, which I will allude to during my message, said whatever is going to happen through us will be uh, born out of what Christ has done at Calvary because they experienced that there's going to be contention, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be suffering. And so they said Calvary Production. Over time, uh, that the name, the acronym from CA is Calvary, PRO is Production. So it's not a pharmaceutical company. It's, the Capro is from the CA of Calvary and PRO of Production. So Capro stuck as a name from the 70s, late 70s. After a while, it evolved into a full-fledged mission agency, and hence the name Calvary Ministries in some places. But all over the world, or if you look at Operation World, you see the name Capro, which is the name we're known out. In South Africa, we're called Capro Mission South Africa, still alluding to the root name. Have I cleared up some things there? Okay, what I want to want first of all to do is to bring greetings from uh, Emmanuel and Clotilda, uh, who I call Claudette, and uh, Howard came to me and said, is there a different name? No, it's just Clotilda. And uh, uh, Emmanuel, uh, go to the next slide. Emmanuel and uh, Clotilda are serving in Nigeria, wonderful couple, beautiful representation of Connect Church, uh, they're in a place called Gombe. Could you go to the next slide? Gombe is in the north of that place. You see the red spot. Lagos is down below. Uh, Nigeria is almost like two countries. And so in the north is right in the enclave of Islam, the, the, the region that is known to be majority Islamic, uh, which is changing. And uh, Emmanuel and Clotilda are part of that change. Every Wednesday, Emmanuel has an outreach among Muslims in Gombe, and people are getting saved. Some of you have the newsletter, and indeed, some wonderful things have been happening. Recently, a man, in spite of the persecution he was confronted with, if he gives his heart to Christ, decided all the same, I'm going to give my life to Christ. And uh, uh, come what may, I will stand for him. And that, that's the kind of testimonies they've been bringing out. They're helping churches in this part of the country that are seriously under stress. You hear about Boko Haram, you hear about other things. It's not something happening far away. Right there in Gombe, many times there are suicide bombs and uh, uh, some of those churches are seriously under stress because of persecution. You know, my daughter will tell you this every Sunday when we come back from church at home. I always say this. I say, thank you, Lord, that we're able to go to church. I live in Durban. We're able to go to church and worship freely without anybody molesting us. We count it as you blessing us. It's a, it's a privilege. It's not, a, how do you call it? It's not an entitlement. Right now as we sit here, there are people who love the Lord Jesus like we are, but they are hiding in different places just so as to be able to worship. And we thank God that we can worship. That's why we dance and that's why we jump because we get to 
Anyway, I want to share with you, friends, from Psalm 110. Uh, the book of Psalm 110 is very apt for me, coming out from Easter. Last week was our Easter weekend, and we shared about the resurrected Christ. And here in Psalm 110, a psalm of David, this is what it says. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on the day of battle. Arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. The Lord will judge the nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. We see here a prophecy many centuries before Christ speaking into what happened just after Easter. After Easter was the ascension. It was Christ being raised up from the earth into heaven. And the Bible says when he was raised up, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. You remember that scripture? Back in Ephesians, Paul expounds on that the more. Say he's seated at the right hand. And we are seated with him, which is another thing altogether. But here, the psalmist looked ahead to that time and said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit down at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, there seems to be uh, something coming out here. First of all, there are enemies. And when there are enemies, that means there is contention. There are people who are opposed to the very thing that this rule has brought. And we do know there are enemies. In fact, the birth of the church was based on the fact that it will be built in spite of enmity. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against that. Right from the beginning of the church. He said, the kingdom I'm bringing will be opposed. The gates of hell will stand against it, but it will not prevail against it. Amen. And this psalm catch, catches it once again, saying, sit down on the right hand. And what I'm going to do is that between this time, you're sitting here to a particular time. He uses the word until I'm going to make your enemies your footstool. Now, making the enemy your footstool it was something that they understood in those days. If you go back to Joshua chapter 10, you will see Joshua fighting against five kings. Now, the Bible says these five kings came against Joshua, and Joshua rooted them, he destroyed them, he conquered them. There was no negotiation. He didn't say, please stay there and I'll stay here. No. It was war and it was won. It was war and it was won. And when he won it, they ran into a cave to hide. He got them out of the cave and he called his generals, his commanders. Bible says he called his commanders and said, place your foot on their neck. It was a sign of total conquests. So if you want to understand what Christ is doing as a church that does mission, if you, if you said, what does it mean to do mission? Mission is the quest to make all the enemies of Christ his footstool. Does that make sense? Someone asks you, well, what is God about in the whole world? What is he trying to do? He's making all the enemies of Christ his footstool. Now, you know, in, in, in Easter, we celebrated total victory over the devil, and we're not lying. 
Because there seems to be a contradiction here. We say Christ has finished it all. He's conquered the devil. It's over. It's finished. And here we say, the Lord says, sit down. That's after the whole conquest. Sit down here until I make your enemy your footstool. And you wonder, did he win? Yes, he won. But this is what is happening. There is the finished work of Christ. And then there is the enforcement of that finished work. The word until is that space, that era between the finished work of Christ and the enforcement globally on the earth of everything he has done. Amen? It's the same thing with our salvation. Christ had saved me from the day he died on the cross. Do you know that? But it wasn't until August 31st, 1986 that that became real in my life. Before that time, the enemy and darkness had their way in my life. In fact, if you saw me for the first 18 years of my life, you wouldn't believe that Christ has paid it all. No, it's true. You wouldn't believe that Christ had paid it all because there was nothing of that showing in my life. Yet it was, even though my life was like that, there was a reality that it's been paid all. Some of you are seated here this morning. Your life is not as if Christ has paid it all. Yet there is a reality on the cross of Jesus when he said it's finished. He has redeemed you. What has happened is that there needs to be an enforcement of that. On the 31st of August, 1986, I said, Jesus, what you did for me on the cross, I want it to, be, to happen in my life. And when that happened, I changed. And everything that happened before happened in me. Does that make sense? In the same way, there are territories in the world today, there are nations, there are countries where it doesn't seem as if Christ is Lord. In fact, the devil is moving all around there, possessing people, possessing whole territories. People live without a knowledge of the finished work of salvation. People live without a, an acknowledgement of Christ. There are different parts of our world, different communities, different ethnic groups, where still Christ is not known as Lord. And that's what the Lord was referring to here in this prophecy. He says, sit down at my right hand until your enemies are made your footstool. He declares there's going to be an enforcement, if you like, between the time you finish the work and the time it manifests everywhere that will bring a subduing of every opposition so that you will be made Lord in all the nations. Wow. God is looking for global worship. God is intent on having Jesus Christ worshipped everywhere, from every tribe, from every nation. And this is his strategy. He says, you finished it on earth. Sit down until your enemy will be made your footstool. And that's what we are about in Capro. We believe with all our hearts that we live in that age of the until. We live in that age where Christ has paid it all, has finished it all. And it's our privilege and our responsibility to get to enforce the lordship of Jesus Christ in all the nations. And we see this warfare everywhere. I've just come back three weeks ago from the next life, from the island of uh, the Comoros. If you could go to the next slide, my brother. Yes, that is our, one of our international leaders. Uh, the one in the cap is called Dr. Cash. We call him the Bush doctor, medical doctor, trained in leads. But felt God calling him to leave all of that and go into the interior parts of Africa, uh, serving Muslim communities with medical and community help. And he does this, helping our teams all around. Capro is, is, was, was, was born in the midst of this understanding of a contention. Keep that slide now. I'll tell you a little bit of history at this point. 
Capra uh, was born in 1975, like Professor Amosu said. Now, it happened in this way. It happened because young people who went from the south of Nigeria, you need to understand, like I said before, the south of Nigeria is like a different country from the north of Nigeria. I've had the privilege of walking around Africa. My wife and I worked in Togo for eight years. My daughter there speaks French, and uh, she schooled most of her early life in, in Togo. And we've worked among Muslims there. I walk into Muslim communities in different parts. Even in a country like the Comoros that I will speak about on that slide now, it's called the Islamic Republic of the Comoros. Yet, the intensity of the spiritual and religious hatred against the gospel there is not comparable to what you find in northern Nigeria. Are you following me? My, my daughter was born in Jos. The other one was born in a place called uh, Buri, Bu, uh, Buri, Buriyadi. Thank you. Buriyadi is the, if you've been following Boko Haram, that was the headquarters. Uh, that was the headquarters and part of where they were launching from. Before now, they are pushed a bit further. That's where my first daughter was born. The, the, I was put in prison in that place because of preaching the gospel. For a short while. I just have that medal. It was, it was for a very, very short time, but I get to boast about it. Uh, but I was, I was locked up in, in, in jail for a while because of preaching the gospel. There's a ferocity that is there, but this was even worse 40 years ago when the young people who belted Capro landed in northern Nigeria, they found whole cities without anybody that knew Christ. And they would go, wow, Jesus has finished it all before. But now the devil is roaming around here as if he's still Lord. No, this can't be. The only thing they knew to do was to set up a, a, a stage, get some guitars out, give some testimonies, and make some praise noise, which is what we do. But it was the wrong strategy among the Muslims. Huh? <laughs> so they did what they knew to do, and God, God blessed it, because when they, when they gave a call for salvation, people started responding. But that was when everything turned differently. They started getting stoned. This was in December 1974. They were stoned. One or so of them died. They tried to run away. But this didn't deter them. It just helped them to understand again that what I've been sharing with you, that there's an enmity. There's a rage from hell. There's a rage that says, we're not going to let this man rule. We're not going to let this Jesus rule. But there is a finished work that says it is finished. Whether you like it or not, there is no negotiation. You've got to bow. And he says, I will put my leg as a fool. I'll make the enemy a footstool with the leg of the victorious Christ on his neck. These young people felt stirred up by this and started praying. On the 25th of April, 1975, Capro was born. And this has expanded into 32 countries right now. 700 missionaries working mainly among Muslims. We work in places like Morocco, Oman, the Comoros, Madagascar, into the interiors of Kenya among Muslims, to the north of Nigeria, all spread out. Churches being battered among Muslims. Where people say you can't go to, people are going into the place and giving birth to new congregations at, at a cost. And... The reason why I'm showing you this, this uh, thing is that in the Comoros, where we are, we just come in three weeks ago, 
when we went in there in 2009, you couldn't find a Christian. On this island, there was, you couldn't find a Christian. This is uh, one of the smaller islands. And they used to pride themselves that there is no Christian among us. But just this last visit, I heard what the president of the union said. He said over public media, we know that among us are Christians. You guys are meeting in secret. Keep it in secret. Don't come out in public. But that, that was that gladdened my heart. It takes something for those people up there to confess that this is happening. Same thing happened in Nigeria. For many years, even with this trickle of people getting saved, the government kept saying there is no indigenous believer. But it became too big for them to hide. At one time, 20 years ago, they put in the government gazette, we acknowledge that there are indigenous among us who are Christians. Wow. Since then, it's just kept growing. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And there we end, Comoros. That is the tailoring workshop we use as a strategy among these uh, Muslim communities because you can't just go on and set up your guitars and play. No, you can't. Sorry. Uh, but we set up a shop which this poor community loves where we teach the women how to sew. That's one of the people graduating. And this gives us access into homes, into lives, and people get saved. Just in October last year, we had the first gathering of believers on this island. My heart was overwhelmed with joy. That we could, small group of people, maybe smaller than some of your life group, but here we are as a, the church batted on that place. And I said, praise God. He'll build his church and the gates of hell would not stand against it. Yet, it's in the midst of contention. The man in the striped shirt is our team leader there and it's been one health problem after the other. He was evacuated a while back. His wife was under attack and it wrote me just last week. He's been two weeks of going to the dentist for like six weeks now. Just in this last two weeks, it's been more intense. Up to the extent that, you know, he would drink water and the water will be coming out of his nose. And he, he said to me, I praise God that I get to go through this on the ground where we're taken from the devil. He didn't lose his joy. And I'll speak about joy now because this is so important. It's that there will be a contention. Go to the next slide. This is our couple that our the, that the, uh, chairman mentioned, Bush and Lebo Ha who work in Mayotte, which is an island just also on the Indian Ocean. Mayotte is even a lot more close than the Comoros in terms of those who are coming to the Lord. In terms of the law, it's a French country, it's a French territory, so legally you're allowed to preach, but still the, it's the Islamic uh, thing of the country is much more uh, heavier. In fact, it's like a blanket. But this couple, through a, 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 an English center for young people, have been reaching out to young people. And last year, began to work towards the foundation of starting a, a kind of a enabling to allow local believers come together towards the birth of a church. But they had to leave in December, like he alluded to, the issue of finance. I tell you, the enemy will come by any means. It will be finance, it will be health, it will be discouragement. There will be all kinds of things. And one of his goals is just this. Not one of his goals. His main goal is what you find in Nehemiah. And I see you're going to study Nehemiah soon. Uh, this is what happens in Nehemiah. This, Nehemiah said, I'm not going to stop walking, even though you're attacking me like this. I mustn't let this walk stop. The goal of the enemy, like the Shambhala and Tobiah said, is that we want to make this walk stop. 
The devil is threatened by the advance of the church. And he wants to do anything to stop it. That's why it's wonderful that we can talk as we're talking. Because we are going to make sure he doesn't stop the advance of the church. Amen. I thought you'd be more excited than that. Let's go to the next slide. <laughs> no, not this one. Please, could you play the video? I want to play a video for you of our, our, our missionary. She used to be at the Val University of Tech in Vanderville Park. And she's now Partners working among missionaries. Uh, sorry, she's now working among Somali people in Kenya. Please play it. just to honor your time. I'm very conscious that I have just a few more minutes. You know, as I think of this, listen to what it says. It says, sit down at my right hand and I will make you, until I make your enemies your footstool. You don't sit down to fight, do you? No, you don't. It's not, it's a very awkward position. If you want to fight, you should stand like Muhammad Ali. Uh, now, but he's saying he should sit down and then he says, there is this until I told you of enforcing his lordship. And so you ask yourself, how is he going to do that? The next verse says it. It says, out of, sept, out, of, uh, out of Zion, I will stretch out your scepter. Zion is the church. And God says, you sit down, Jesus. You finish the work. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this church. And out of the church, I am going to enforce your lordship to the ends of the earth. Let's watch the video. North Frontier District of Kenya, Isiolo County. Good morning, everyone. Uh, greetings all the way from Isiolo, Kenya. Uh, I've been in Kenya now for about over three months and uh, here in Isiolo for about six weeks. I am currently part of a new pioneer team here in Isiolo in a village of Somalis called the Al Sharif. According to the Quran, this means the most noble. They truly believe they are the most noble. In fact, the custodians of Islam in Africa. To preserve their purity, they are not only resistant and hostile to Christianity, but other forms of Islam as well. Our entry into the Al-Sharif community was not an easy one. Uh, we had to think about strategy and we definitely needed to think about our cover as we are there as well. We also needed to wait for an opportunity to finally meet the chief, which we tried on several occasions and were not successful. Uh, but having received a word from the Lord concerning our entry into the Al-Sharaf, we decided as a team to go in as ethnography students who would be learning language and culture, specifically Kisomali. We finally managed to meet with the chief and our meeting with him was outrageously successful. Not only did he call and connect the village headman for us, but he also gave us a letter granting us security with all our names on it. Now, as if that was not enough, the village headman, who is also a prominent and respected man in the community, an elder of the mosque, the Somali speaker in inter-tribal and land issues, a teacher of the Quran and the Arabic language, is now our very own language helper and our very own man of peace. Praise be to the Lord. 
He takes us for classes in his home every Monday to Thursday and parades us around the village whenever he can. He teaches us about the way of Islam, Somali culture and allows us to interact with his third wife and has plans for us to meet his other wives as well. The Lord has really given us a man of peace in this land. Uh, I would like to think that I'm doing well. Uh, I've been okay. I really, really love Isiolo right now. Um, I've also been coping very well with language learning, although I've had to learn two languages at the same time, which is a bit difficult. Uh, and would you pray with me on that? Um, I really love my team. God has given me a team of really, really good people who are supportive and who are helping me with the language as well. Um, the only challenges we've been having, obviously, is that we are living apart, so it makes it a bit strange. But anyway, understanding the culture that we currently have and we are around, we need to do that as well. Um, my health has been a bit of a problem, um, but I'm praying that the Lord will uh, help me and give me wisdom, even as I learn how to eat, yes, and uh, learn how to do other things as well. Declare a 319. Behold, I am doing a new thing. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. This is what we truly believe. From us as a team, we want to say, Mahat Sanit, thank you. Megen Allah, God bless you. Salama, peace be upon you. Thanks. That, that verse says, it says, out of Zion, you will stretch out your scepter. The scepter is God's rod of authority. And that rod of authority exists in the church. It's a church that God is going to use to do the work of until. From the time of sitting down after he's finished the work on the cross to the time of seeing it enforced to the ends of the earth, which is what has been the church age. He says, it's true Zion, I will do it. And he says this to Zion. He says, rule in the midst of your enemy. It's not ruling because your enemy is gone. It's ruling in spite of your enemy. Ruling in spite of the rage of hell. Ruling in spite of the battle. And this has been the understanding of the church over time. And we, we are a bit in danger in our age because it's a very, very, you know, an age of comfort. So war is not something we, we embrace. We just want, you know, kind of to negotiate. But this is not about negotiation. There's no Geneva Convention that's going to happen here where hell will sit down and, you know, Christ will sit down and we reach a compromise. No. It's going to be total conquests. Christ will reign whether the devil likes it or not to the ends of the earth. But he's going to do it with his people. And look at verse 3, which is where I'm going to end. Verse 3 says... You can put on the slide for the last verse, uh, the last second to the last verse. Yeah, that one. It says, "The Lord would." It says, "Your troop will be willing on the day of your battle, arrayed in holy splendor. Your young men will come to you like dews in the morning." And I like the way the Message Bible says this. It says, "Your people will freely join you in the great day of your conquest." In fact, I like to say. That free reminds me of joy. They would freely, joyfully join you. There is, there, is a, there is a freeness of abandon. There is a joy that God uses to do his work. And this joy has always been the secret of the church over the years. Nehemiah again says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy is the fuel of the church. 
And you see it in the lives of those who have pioneered this work. Some of you know about Hudson Taylor. My first son is named Hudson. He lives for, for Bluefontaine today, back to university, um, back to rugby. He plays rugby. And uh, we named him uh, Hudson, not rugby. We named him Hudson after Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary to China, and some of you know his story. If you don't, Google it today and have some afternoon feasts of just reading about him. In fact, I would direct you for an introduction to John Piper's write-up on Hudson Taylor. Just his union with Christ and the glory of the joy he had in Christ. But this guy suffered. It was like all hell was let loose on this young man. He came in from Britain in those days, about 150 years ago, and he said, why would the gospel just stay in the borders? In those days in China, it was just at the borders, uh, not the borders, the, the what, coastal towns. You had the mission station, and he said, what about the millions of people in the interior? And so he formed what was called the China Interior Mission, saying they are going to get the gospel to every district. And the devil was angry. Sickness, death. He buried his wife, buried his children. He, at the stage, he broke his leg. It was as if hell was so intent on quenching this, but hell failed. You know why? Because of his joy. Hudson Taylor rejoiced in the Lord. And I tell you this, listen to me. If the devil can't steal your joy, he can't steal anything from you. It, 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 it's that abandoned to the Lord. You see, when the joy goes away, we live in an age where when there is no joy, you can't give, you can't go, you can't pray. If we're going to take over the nations for Christ, we have to be a people of joy. We have to be like that place says, your people will freely, says, your people will freely join you in the great day of conquests. I see a, a willing people rising up. I see a joyous people rising up. A people says we get to do it. It's a privilege. And that's what we complete this task. Because whether it's that couple in my yacht that needs some money, there has to be a joyous response that makes people go, you know what? I want to give to that. But it's, you have your problems now. God will sort me out. I have a big God. He will take care of me. And that joy and the confidence, childlike faith, makes us a generous people. We have a people that's going to rise up and say, look, I want to go. Like a lady wrote me from Pretoria. She was going to, what's the name of this? Yemen. Yemen. You know Yemen. Yemen is where you want to run away from. And she was going there. And everybody says, don't go, don't go. And so she writes me, wrong person to write. I said, why not? It's the truth. We get to. We're not looking for the most comfortable place. We're looking for a place where we can joyfully obey him. It's that joy that overwhelms in our heart that makes us say, I get to go to Yemen. And some of you need to go for a short time or for a full time. But you get to go. Like uh, Emmanuel and Clotilda. We get to go. You could read the joy as Clotilda writes back. You, it's this joy that sustains you. And I, I tell you this, even here at home, even if you're not called to go, you need to walk in the joy of the Lord. I don't know what you're going through, but if the devil can't steal your joy, he hasn't really stolen anything from you. It's the joy he's targeting, not your business, not your wife, not your whatever. It's the joy. And James talks about it. Count it all joy. Because this is the fuel of our power. This is where we're able to advance. And as the, joy, as the church works in joy, she advances to the ends of the earth. We're able to make his enemy his footstool. 
And it's this same joy I see in our missionaries like Professor already described. These young people, so full of joy. So full of joy. The lady you saw there, she wouldn't know what she goes through. Full of joy, excitement. It's like, I get to do this. She has friends that she finished from Val with. Some of them are driving the biggest BMW. And she said, what's that to me? I get to do this. We, we are not of this world, friends. And, and we've come to challenge you as Capro. This is our passion. This is what we've called, called to do. But we cannot do it alone. That's why we thank God that we get to connect with Connect Church. We get to partner with you. We get to connect with you. We get to have your prayers. We need joyous prayers following us. We need joyous givings following us. We need joyous going. More people coming to join us. I'll put up an address there that I want us to pray. Last slide. This is some address you might want to say. Do you have a website I can go look out? That's a website you can go look out. Uh, that's an email address you can use. And that's a phone number you can use. We'll have a table outside with Tabang. And you want to put down your name for a prayer bulletin or something. Or you want, we have a, a flyer which Howard has helped us to produce this morning. Which you can also get if you're interested in more information. But if you forget anything else, please remember what I'm saying. That there is war. The goal of God is to bring an enforcement of the lordship of Jesus by making his enemy his footstool. He would do it. But we get to be the means by which he does it. The church. I get to be the means. And the way he walks through me is through joy. A joyous response. No matter what has come upon me. And if I guard this joy in Christ, not based on how much I have in my pocket, but based on Jesus I got this joy. I don't lose this joy. I rejoice in the Lord always. The devil must bow. Whether it's here in Cape Town or to the ends of the earth, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's pray. Can we thank God for the privilege we have to be part of his body and the joy of our salvation? I'm born again. I'm full of joy. You are born again. If you are, you can thank God this morning. If you're not, maybe you want to see me after I've spoken and say, look, I need to be born again. I'm not born again. I, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I visited this church this morning. I haven't given my heart to Christ. Maybe that's you. Listen, I would love to pray with you. Please just come to me in front and say, Chim, I need to be, I need to, I need to be right with Christ. And then the joy will be yours also. But I know many of you are my brothers and sisters seated here. And you know what I mean. And I want you to thank God that you get to be part of this. And I want you to commit yourself this morning that, Lord, I put aside my issues and the things that are going on in my life and my needs, and I want to embrace your joy. Send me wherever you want to send me. Here I am, Lord. Send me wherever. Even as I speak, there's a, the island of the Maldives, which some of you know as a tourist destination. I was there last year, and there is nobody. There is a big need of people to go there. And you could be the answer. And just say, Lord, here I am. Send me. Above all, friends, would you commit yourself to pray? We have some information for you through email and all that.